This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 16, published on December 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today's topic will be crime-proof strategies for the firearm instructor. Our podcast is part of ConcealCarry.com Network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites in any light and made in the USA. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website, ftaprotect.com, to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun ownership more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by XS Sites with Glowdot technology and proprietary photoluminescent materials. This gives you the high contrast options to aid in site acquisition. Multiple color options are available for your vision preference. Today, we're joined by Anthony Calandro. And welcome, Anthony. How are things going today for you? Very good, Rob. I want to thank you for having me on the show. It's an honor. It's so, uh, uh, great to have you on because uh, I think you're the right person to have on for our topic today. Before we jump into things, can you give our audience who might not know who Anthony Calandro is uh, a little bit about your background and why I've got you here today? So uh, my background, uh, about 40 years in the shooting uh, sports um, as a hobby, 30 years professionally. I own a gun range in New Jersey, believe it or not, about 14 miles from Manhattan called uh, Gun for Hire and uh, train a lot of people, have a lot of people come through the range. And uh, many, many moons ago, I became an NRA instructor. And then a few years later, being obsessive compulsive disorder, I wanted to learn more. I became an NRA training counselor, as well as an NRA refused to be a victim, regional training counselor. Um, I'm a student of Masada Ayub. I attended uh, Lethal Force Institute, which is now the uh, Masada Ayub group. And uh, so basically the last 30 years of my life, half of my life, I'm 60 years old, I have been teaching people uh, either self-defense or firearms and firearm self-defense in combination. So it's kind of been, I turned the passion into a career, which is something not a lot of people get to do. Mm -hmm. And if you go along and find and find us, uh, you know, work that you enjoy doing, you'll never work a day in your life, as they say, right? I tell everybody that I tell my staff that everybody that so true. You've got, you've got a very envious job there running a range and be able to, you know, be around guns and shoot them all the time and uh, watched you on uh, YouTube before and Facebook and you have some fun guns you shoot. Yeah, we have over 300 guns for rent and anything that's legal in New Jersey uh, we can shoot. We're, uh, we're neutered at 10 round magazines. So we have a Gatling gun and we have a couple of uh, 1919s, but unfortunately we can't have more than 10 rounds at a time. Just as the gun is warming up, it, it, it stops. But yeah, we, we do have a lot of fun within the constraints of us. Um, by the way, I'm also a second amendment advocate uh, all my life. I, I'm the guy that goes down to the state house. I've gone to white Washington, DC. I am on the NRA board and I'm the executive vice president of the state NRA. Like you are the director of your um, state NRA association. So just like you, I'm always looking for a fight when it comes to our elected officials. Mm -hmm. they, uh, we have to keep our close eyes on our elected officials because they will uh, uh, stray if uh, somebody's not there reminding them what, what our rights are and what our, uh, what our priorities are, for sure. Indeed. Hey, Anthony, brought you on today to talk about your new book, 
crime proof. And I found it to be very interesting <coughs> because from a instructor that's taught crime prevention before, uh, I thought I knew it all, read your book, and I see a whole lot of uh, holes that maybe I didn't think about before. So I think it was really good. Um, that that I got that I got that and and uh, interesting. Why why did you start? Why did you go along and write this book? Is is my you first know, question I, on that. I love the fact that you learned some stuff because this book wasn't written for you. This book was written for people who don't think they need this book, and mm -hmm. that audience is very hard to get to. So just like you, being an instructor, we know that the gun is not the answer for everything. You also need situational awareness. Uh, you need to be in condition yellow all the time, uh, heightened state of awareness. Uh, you have to break that normalcy bias. So for the past 30 years, being in industry, you know, we answer the same. I'm using air quotes, but we, we, we uh, answer the same stupid questions all the time. What's the best gun for home defense? What's this? But people have come to me and said, you know, well, a gun is not for me. What would you do if you were me? I live alone. I live on the second floor. So being someone who loves to read and being a, a refused to be a victim instructor, I springboarded from there and I started creating an outline of self-prevention techniques. I would read an article, this new scam that is going on, a phishing scam or something, and I would write it down and I would share it with my students in the classes. And also I have a podcast, uh, Gun for Hire Radio, so I would share it and I kept them all uh, indexed in a folder. So around six years ago, I said, I think I'm going to write a book with all of this outlined in there in, in a chapter format. And I had about 20,000 words down. And when the pandemic hit, I went from working 8, 10, 12 hours a day, six days, seven days a week to not working at all. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to take make lemonade out of lemons. I'm going to get my uh, butt in gear and I'm going to tackle this book. And lo and behold, I pumped it up from uh, 20,000 words to over 50,000 words, hired a professional editor, had a few other friends come in and help me with peer review. And lo and behold, I got it printed. Crime proof, think like a criminal and beat them at their own game. Now, only three chapters of the book are about firearms, proper storage, instantaneous storage. If you use a firearm, there's tips in there, stuff I've learned from Masada Yub along the way, as well as other attorneys. So, um, and it's been highly successful. The feedback has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Most definitely, because uh, whether you're in New Jersey, you're in an airport, school, or just at work. Um, the one thing I always go along when you talk about crime prevention, um, the first, first thing when you think about crime prevention is crime avoidance. Don't make yourself a easy target. And then, you know, if you can't, if that you get, do get targeted, you want to make sure that you, you can put up some resistance. And, you know, a lot of times people think about that as a gun. But sometimes that's, you know, that's as easy as knowing you know, where to park properly and, and knowing how to go along and address certain situations. And then you've got, you know, OC spray, you've, you've got open hand skills and, you know, you may end up having to go to the gun, but it's very hard to carry a gun into a secure area at an airport, but you still have people that could go crazy and start, start attacking you or trying to steal something from you. And all those things about situational awareness really come, come into play to know, you know, do you have, do you have a plan for how to avoid things, how you're going to address things? Um, 
does your family know what those those are? And those are all very, very good things that I thought your book covered well because it it talks about okay, you're traveling, your house, you know what are, what are you going to do at those different times and some really good um, avoidance, and then how can you go along and harden yourself, um, your your house, so you're not as not an easy target. Yeah, your goal with your home is to have the bad guy rob your neighbor. And, you know, mm-hmm. predators look for prey and trying to get people to understand this, that walk around in condition white, especially women and children. And now, please, it's not a sexist statement, but traditionally men will be the sheepdog or the alpha male. Now, when I was writing this book, I had interviewed alternate lifestyle couples and I asked them, I said, is there one person in your cup, in your unit that is the alpha, the head of security detail? And believe it or not, there is. There's always one that's picked, but when that one is not there, the other one's secondary, especially if there's children, there has to be a backup. Uh, Most of our listeners on your show today can um, relate to the fact that when we go out to eat with our family, us sheepdog, us instructors, we fight for the seat that has our back to the wall so we can get a perfect uh, perimeter view while we're sitting down eating to protect our family and our friends. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just something we do naturally. Uh, and, uh, people that don't think that way, people that don't think we, they need this book would just sit to their back, you know, to the crowd. So there's just little tips like that. And it's funny because I post tips on social media and somebody will post underneath it or just have a gun. And my response will be yes, but a gun is not always the answer. Believe me, primarily. Yes. It's like, a, but if your daughter is in college and they do not allow firearms on the campus, there's not going to be a gun there. So let's make your daughter a harder target. Let's make it so when your daughter's walking through that parking garage 11 o'clock at night, the criminal who's hiding in the shadows looks at her and goes, hmm, she looks noisy. She looks like she'll put up a fight. I'll wait and I'll mug or sexually accost somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's the goal of my book. So here's a perfect example. My wife, when she read the the first pass of the book, she's like, I don't think like this. And that's very interesting because most people don't think this way. And then after she read my book, she says, you made me paranoid. I'm glad I made her paranoid. I'm glad I had, I, I shook her out of condition white and I put her into condition yellow. And now it's almost like a game. When we go out, my wife will say to me, oh, I read this in your book. Make sure you do this when you park back into the spot or before you walk into a convenience store, you know, stay in your car for a minute, survey the area, make sure you're not walking into the middle of an armed robbery, just little lifestyle changes that we can make that don't even take much of our time very little bit of our time and we could stop and not be a victim and go on to be safe and spend more time with our friends and our family. Well, one one of the things I uh, quote a lot from Andrew Bronca, uh, lawyer or lawyer and uh, wrote the law of self-defense is anytime that you're involved in a self-defense situation, you have a greater than 0% chance of death and serious injury. And when I tell people that it's like, you know, they say, oh, that's why I carry a gun. It's like, no, think about this. Somebody gets lucky, even though you've got a gun, you might die. You may get seriously injured. So at the end of the day, what we're really trying to get to is trying to get home to our family. So if we can go along and avoid a situation, you know, as you say, you know, we see the convenience store, something's going down, uh, down in the store and we put our car in drive and we drive away. Yeah, we weren't 
we weren't, you know, the Lone Ranger. We didn't save the convenience store clerk, but at the same time, we can pick up our phone, dial 911, and summon the police there to help them, which are better prepared than you are to go in the middle of a, a robbery of what, one, two, three, four people? You know, you only saw the one person in the counter. You didn't see other people that are back at the beer, beer cave or something else like that. And those are all things, as I tell people, you know, don't look for a situation. Look, look for the situations that you can avoid because you are guaranteed 100% to see the next, uh, next day and see your family that night. And those, those are important, important consideration when people go along and you know, think that, Hey, you know, I can go along, and correct all the evils of the world. Well, guess what? Good people have been trying to fix evils of the world since Adam and Eve. And guess what? We're still fighting, fighting the battle every single day. And we see it every day in the news, you know, with, with uh, court cases. And you go along and it's like, if that person would only have avoided that situation, their life would never have been changed, you know, from doing that. Criminals, most criminals are not stupid. They're lazy. They're just looking for ways to take stuff from us, whether it's our life, whether it's our money, whether it's our property. And it's a constant game of topping. You know, we come up with new ways to prevent scams and new scams come out on top of that. Um, you know, dealing. There's a whole chapter in there. Where if your parents or family members are, are are elderly and you know starting to forget, or the, they're not in condition yellow anymore because they're getting a little old and feeble. I've seen it, and there's chapters in there covering that. There's a vacation, traveling through an airport, just small security things, things that you can travel with you um, on a plane that would be legal. A tactical pen. You can carry on a plane, a flashlight you can carry on a, on a plane, which is a good defensive tool. In my book, I talk about a lot of people have to put support hose on, uh, on a plane, you know, support socks. So they don't get uh, blood clots. Mm -hmm. You can carry support. I put in my book, support hose and a baseball with an autograph on it, a hardball with a Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth autograph on it in your bag. I've or change with or change. Our change will work too. Also, a bottle of water will work very well. Slide mm -hmm. it into that sock, and all of a sudden, you have a makeshift weapon that you got on the plane. And I've used these tactics all the time. One time, flying home from Europe, I had my tactical pen taken away from me. And it was mm -hmm. a $12 tactical pen that I bought online because whenever I travel, I never bring an expensive knife or tactical <laughs> pen with me. So if I lose it, I don't cry the entire trip home. I don't want to have a Rick Hinderer knife taken away from me by someone uh, at TSA. So uh, there's plenty of tips in there uh, for everybody, commuters on trains, foreign countries, uh, cell phone technology. I just went through it all. I had some experts weigh in. I also had lawyers weigh in. Uh, there's a whole chapter of dealing with the police when you're pulled over. And there's an entire chapter of dealing with the police should you use your firearm, which I think is important. And it was also important, especially after we saw what just happened now with this uh, school shooting, uh, ways to store your firearms, either long-term storage and quick access storage, which again, uh, as, a, as an owner of a gun range gun store, I talk about this all the time, new shooters will spend thousands of dollars on buying guns and not buy proper storage vehicles for their firearms, for a defensive storage, like a nightstand. Oh, I mean, just a simplex safe is $159. You just bought a $1,000 gun. Why not buy a $159 simplex lockbox? And that's three or four uh, boxes of ammo, too. 
you know, Today, you put, put, you, yeah, you can put in a lot of, you know, parameters <laughs> that make it, you know, seem, you know, and it'll last you and prevent you again from having a situation or regret down the road. You know, quick tip. Uh, I have the same simplex box, which has the four buttons on top. And, uh, I take a multivitamin every day. I'm 60, so I take a Centrum Silver now, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I keep my Centrum Silver in my Simplex safe in my nightstand. So I get 365 lessons a year opening that lockbox. So I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you right now, I've been using that same box with that same combination for about 11 years yeah. now. I could yep. be doing this show with you and watching cartoons and open that box without even looking. And, and close it again. Muscle memory. These the, A lot of things, a lot of tips like that are in my book. Mm-hmm. Because let's put it this way. When your worst day happens, you know, you're not going to rise to the occasion. Like we say, a lot of times you're going to default to what you've done all the times before. And if you've gone along and opened it, opened your, uh, you know, uh, biometric safety with the sim- with the simplex lock on it, then you're going to be able to do it because you won't even have to think about it. But if you got to think about, okay, how many how many turns to the left and how many turns to the right type of thing, you're probably not going to do it. And you're definitely not going to do it as fast as you want it to be. That's, that's for sure. You know, another tip was uh, garnered from the uh, refuse to be a victim. I like light sticks, Siolum light sticks. I have a mm-hmm. few hundred in the house. I buy them in bulk. I've had power failures. They're great for ambient lighting in the house and emergencies. If you like, if you live in a house, uh, let's say your wife is in a house alone, maybe she's not a gun person, maybe she is, to have a spare front door key attached to a light stick, especially if you don't have electronic locks like I do attached to my phone. If you hear something in the middle of the night and you're in your bedroom and you can make your bedroom a safe room by putting a solid core door and a deadbolt on your bedroom door. So your wife is in there, three o'clock in the morning, she thinks she hears somebody in the house, she's supposed to be home alone. And she's in the bedroom. The dogs are freaking out. She calls the police. When the police arrive at the house, the police are going to say, well, can you come downstairs and open the door? She can crack that light stick and tell the 911 dispatcher on the phone, I'm going to open the bedroom window and throw the front door key out attached Mm -hmm. to that light stick. And the officers can let themselves in. Because even me at 275 pounds at six foot two, I don't really want to walk downstairs and unlock that front door for the police either. If again, let the professionals do their job. And, And here's something great about that light stick suggestion too, is here in Ohio, we get snow sometimes. And you can imagine the worst day it's going to be when there's snow out. And if for some reason, you know, they, somebody's not able to catch, you know, the key when you throw it to them and it goes in the snow, having a light stick will glow in the snow. Think how long yes. they're going to be sitting there digging through the snow, trying to find a single key or, or batch of keys, something else like that. And uh, it definitely helps out, you know, without doubt, because they can force entry on their own. But normally, you know, your front door is going to be pretty expensive to uh, replace after they get done with that. Yes. They, uh, if you don't give them a key, they have their ways and it's not a kind way to your door to get, get things done that way. Correct. You know, same thing. If you send your kids off to school, parents, they go to Target, they buy them a refrigerator, they buy them a fan, they buy them this. Did you buy them a fire extinguisher? Was there one in there already? Two or better than one? How about a little temporary door alarm for their dorm room door? Um, How about a bundle of light sticks? How about maybe a personal alarm? OC spray if they can't have a gun. So little little things like that, I try to cover chapter, chapter, uh, section to section. And again, it's been very enlightening for me. I've sold a 
quite a few books. I have a huge following, a bus- very busy range. And the feedback I've been getting from males, females, young and old has been truly phenomenal. And already I've started to amass feedback that I'm going to have to come out with a part two, because <laughs> like we had discussed before we were on the air, the it changes. The evolution of safety changes. There's a new scam every day that we have to uh, worry about. So um, uh, that'll be hopefully crime-proof part two in mm-hmm. a few years. Um, something I didn't, didn't see in the book, um, maybe I missed it, was uh, tasers. Do you talk about tasers? I talk a little bit about stun guns and tasers okay. in there, about, about five or six pages. I recommend that people uh, get training mm-hmm. for it. Um, yeah, I, di- I do talk about it. I talk about coupons as well and uh, some other um, devices. But yeah, just, just a little bit about that because that is definitely an option. In New Jersey, we can uh, own a taser, but we can't carry one. We can possess mm-hmm. it, we can carry it because yeah. it's New Jersey and everything's backwards. <laughs> yeah, in Ohio, we're, we're allowed to carry them um, and we don't need a license or anything else like that. And it doesn't qualify as a firearm. So the no firearm signs and restaurants and things like that don't qualify, you know, for a taser type of thing. Now, of course, exactly. you know, tasers and depending upon the model you've got, you know, you've got one shot, you know, with it. But at the same time, it's, you know, getting that training so you understand, you know, when and where, you know, do you aim it and how do you use it appropriately? So another, another great uh, tool, you know, defensive tool for, for sure. For sure. Um, what are some of the other chapters that you go over in the book? So I only wrote the book. I don't remember the chapters. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so there's 20 chapters all together in the book. So a couple of them would be, uh, one would be obviously, are you prepared protecting yourself outside the home, Uh, shopping safety, travel safety, uh, campus protection, workplace safety, and then, of course, non-lethal weapons, which we had just discussed. Mm -hmm. And then chapter 11 is firearms. Chapter 12 is help selecting a firearm and ammunition. 13 would be uh, storage. 14, if you use your gun, the aftermath and dealing with attorneys. Then we have online and digital security, senior security. And natural disasters and civil unrest. And that's probably one of the ones that I thought was really interesting because, you know, we go along and we're so programmed 911 and somebody shows up at our our front door five or 10 minutes later. That's, you know, kind of the American expectation for emergency services. When you have a hurricane, you have earthquakes, you have things like that, or, you know, around Ohio, we have tornadoes frequently. Um, emergency services are going to be overwhelmed for a certain amount of time until additional resources come in. And you really need to be able to have a plan for what are you going to do for that, you know, three, four hours or three or four days, you know, before emergency services can get to you to, to bring you to safety to, you know, the power comes back on all, all those types of things. So I, I thought it was a really good chapter. Uh, when hurricane Sandy hit New Jersey, I had no power and no running water for five days uh, and my house was prepared. We had generator. I had gas, a siphon. We had food. Um, you know, it got to a point, I talk about it in the book, where we just kept the curtains drawn because you kind of don't want the neighbors and looters to know that you're living large because then everybody will focus on you. So there's also a part where you have to protect yourself in a situation like that as well. But yeah, I was uh, probably the only thing that we suffered from is uh, – 
is a, a little bit of boredom. And luckily we had board games and stuff. I must've played Monopoly 300 times with the kids, <laughs> um, which, which was good. I got so good at it. I didn't have to cheat to beat them anymore. Uh, well, that's uh, good. You know, another important one is civilian response to an active shooter situation when you're unarmed. And the reason I wrote that is because again, there are certain places where you can't carry a gun and a gun isn't for everyone. And one tip uh, is, so if you're a woman and you're in a mall and there's an active shooter and you go shelter in place, if you don't know the difference between cover and concealment, you need to learn that right away. But once you find a place that you think you're concealed, the first thing you should do is put your phone on silent. Mm -hmm. Because if an active shooter is walking around looking for prey and your phone goes off with that Mickey Mouse ring or something on it, you've just given up your location. And everybody I say that to is like, I never thought of that. Well, and, and here's the other thing. What's going to happen immediately, uh, and you see it in all the school shootings and active shooters, as soon as somebody starts hearing something going off, everybody's texting people or posting online, which means that if right. your, your wife goes along, sees it online, What's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to call you and see if you, you were there, you know, how you're doing things like that, which is the reason why your phone's going to go off and why so many of them do go off during those kind of situations. Correct. So you want to have that. And then another chapter is fitness and disabilities, mm -hmm. you know, training for your fitness level and training. If you have disabilities as a, as a trainer, just like you for years, I'll get uh, phone calls and emails from people. Well, I have a cane. Well, I have a fake knee and I can't bend. Well, I have a war injury and I have a prosthetic leg. Can I take the class? My response to all of those people is yes, you can. We will figure out a way we will work around it. So everybody listening to your show here can relate to that. Mm -hmm. But now let's talk about that at home. So if you need, if you, if you create a defensive position in your bedroom with a fatal funnel down the hallway, if someone was to come in, if you're the type of person that you need something to boost yourself up from a kneeling position, well then put a piece of hard furniture in that spot, put a little night table with a lamp on it or something in that spot. I know it sounds funny, but we're decorating our house and thinking about cover and concealment here. But Rob, if you had to kneel down, Right at the end, at the end of the hallway of your of your house, if you had a second floor and your kids and your wife are behind you, if you need something to boost you up, is there a railing there? Is there a piece of furniture there that you can push off of? Again, walk through your whole house and think about if I was here and something was happened, how would I handle it physically? How would I handle it mentally? Very, very important. Um, that we go through. And that's what my book covers. And then the last chapter is obviously keeping your children safe, which is a huge liability because kids for the most part are in condition white. If you take a kid at five years old and drum them into condition yellow, you'll probably give them post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. uh, right off the bat. You know, it's a thin line we have to weigh. So there's some games and some tips uh, in my book on how to deal with getting your uh, children up to speed uh, where they're still having fun, but uh, they won't be subjected to uh, an abduction or, um, or anything else. Mm -hmm. One thing I'd go back, you just mentioned on about making sure you think about all these things. And that's one thing your book really does. And the one thing I remind my students about all the time too, it's not that um, you want to scare people, but in the, in the worst time of your life, 
you're not going to be able to think of all the different options that might be available to you, you know, such as, you know, you're in the kitchen and you can pick up a skillet that makes a very good hammer, you know, if somebody's coming after you and such. Um, and, but you don't, if you don't think of go through those steps, you won't, you won't think about it at those times. And that's where, you know, preparing your mind for it is just as important as, you know, we talk about being gun owners and going to the range and, and practicing shooting. Well, go through and practice, you know, in your house about what you are, you know, what's available to you. You know, where would, where do you want to be if somebody's coming in your front door? Uh, you know, as, you know, as you said, you know, is your bedroom, you know, do you have things to allow you to call? Do you, uh, do you have a, a good place that you can hide behind, you know, seek cover, not just concealment, but actually cover all those types of things. You're not going to uh, be able to do it split moment when something's going on. You really want to go along and think about that ahead of time so that in a year, two years or two days, something happens. You've already gone and say, hold, you know, wait a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to lock the door. You know, it's got a deadbolt. It's going to take them a bit to get into it. I've already got my old cell phone that I'm calling the you know 911 on so they can go and, you know, be in response to it. And if they do breach that door, this is what, this is what I'm going to do to try to protect myself and my family. You know, every year, twice a year, daylight savings time. The only thing I like about daylight savings time is this is when I change the smoke detector, carbon monoxide batteries. I check the fire extinguishers in the house. And then we have the family, we have a fire drill and we have what we call an emergency drill. So if there's an emergency drill, everybody is to retreat back into the master bedroom. I, when I had kids, I was fortunate that all the bedrooms were on the second floor and I could get everybody, if I can get everybody behind me, I would maintain the higher ground and there's no reason to go downstairs and look. So I, I did that for years and years with my uh, two stepsons. And this is very important for everybody listening to this, because again, people fortify their bedroom, but their waking hours, they spend maybe 30% in the kitchen, 70% in their living room or dining room or den area. So what do you have there? Do you have a simplex safe there if you don't carry a gun on you? Do you have other tools there? Um, if it's grandma and she's elderly, she could have OC spray uh, Velcro to the door frame on the front door so she can always find it. If she, mm -hmm. if she needs it, there's just plenty of little tips like that, that we can go through the house with anybody, with a family member and just run through scenarios. Again, we're, are we ever going to be 100% prepared? No, but if we do a walkthrough and just, again, keep continuing to visualize, all right, if the bad guy comes in here and I'm here, what would I do? I, it's for some people that are not in our world, it sounds crazy to them until the crap hits the fan. And then they realize how sadly unprepared they are. Mm -hmm. yep. my, my, when we started leaving my daughter um, alone in, in the house, you know, she was 11, 12 years old at the time. Um, you know, she knew, you know, how to lock the doors and do those types of things. But, um, you know, went over those kind of plans with her because that's the time where, you can't hope that they know what to do. You've got to make sure they know what to do in case somebody breaks in, how to react to it, you know, who to call, because it's put this way. If she would have picked up the phone, the first thing she does is, you know, call my wife or something else like that. You'd be like, no, hang up the phone and call nine one one. You've just wasted valuable uh, time yep. there. And those are things that you've got to educate the kids on. You know, if they're younger than that, you know, 
what do you, you know, what do you want them to do? You know, hope, you know, most probably they're not going to be home or alone, but you know, you get up to 16 year olds, you know, are you going to tell the 16 year old what the combination of the simplex safe is, you know, so they can defend themselves. Uh, you know, there's been stories in the news uh, in the last couple of years about kids being able to defend themselves, you know, that, that were 15, 16 years old. And there's also, you know, been a big question about, you know, up in Oxford, uh, Michigan there about, you know, did that, kid have access to the guns and you know what is the parents liability to it you know those are all things that will be settled but it's one of those as a parent you've really got to know your kids and and understand you know when do you go along and explain to them you know where where the guns are and how to get to them and when do you go along and give them an alternate plan for just you know barricading and, and calling 911 you know from their bedrooms you know every parent has to identify their child's level of maturity whether they agree with it or not unfortunately. Uh, the other thing is, so I, I'm 60. When I was a kid and my parents left me and my brother alone, my, maybe, let's say I was 13, my brother was eight. My parents would say, if anybody knocks on a door or rings the bell, don't answer the door. Mm-hmm. So in my book, it's different today because someone will ring the bell or knock on a door. And if there's no answer, they will pull a crowbar or jimmy bar out of their jacket and they will rip your front door open to do a quick smash and grab and run and now your kids are going to be standing right inside that door so in my book we announce hello no my parents my dad's upstairs right now he doesn't like to be bothered come back another time whatever your scam story wants to be they can be watching from the window and if that person looks at a place Call 911. Give your address first, clear and concise. A lot of people don't realize our 911 call system was designed for hardwired phones. Mm-hmm. My phone is a business phone. The address on my phone is the range address. So if I call 911 from my house and the bad guy knocks the phone out of my hand, the police are going to dispatch to my gun range and not to my home. So I have to say my address two times, clear and concise, Mm -hmm. before I tell them what the emergency is. But a lot of people just start talking about what the emergency is. People need to know this. We need to practice that. Mm-hmm. Here's something uh, talking about uh, alarm systems and police and different things like that. And it's very pertinent because uh, just two days ago, um, Amazon Web Services had a major outage that took down uh, the Amazon.com website for a little while and a whole bunch of other uh uh, retailers uh, websites and that's terrible during the christmas time but here's one thing that people didn't realize the amazon uh security system that people use for the ring doorbell and such that was also down for several hours and that's one of those things to where people need to understand the you know it's really nice to have a ring doorbell to be able to see somebody you know knocking on your or ring your doorbell knock on your doorbell talk to them but also at the same time if that's your only security system, guess what happens when I find out that the security system's down? I can go go through and smash in your house, and the alarm system will probably be be trying to connect to home to you know tell the Amazon system to, you know to call the police or call you, but there's no connection there, and that's one that I'm sure people are going to be really thinking you know long and hard about. You know how do you how do you go along in today's electronic age to protect your home from an outage along those lines? And and a lot of it for people, it's based on economics. So me being high profile and owning a gun range and a gun store, both my home and the range, everything is hardwired. Mm -hmm. The only web access as I have is so I can view it on my mobile device or my iPad or a remote 
uh, computer, but everything is hardwired and I have battery backup on, on, on both units. As a matter of fact, the gun range has about a 12 hour worth of battery backup. Those batteries were big bucks, but my house probably has about an hour uh, battery backup on it, uh, automatic. But yeah, people will go and buy the four pack of Wi-Fi cameras or whatever from Costco and they'll install them. The resolution is horrible on cameras like that as well. I do have a, a Nest uh, door cam, but I also, like I covered in my book, I have one. My parents are in their 80s and I have one at their house. Mm-hmm. And my they're not technological savvy. I get when somebody rings their doorbell, my phone rings, and I can look on the camera who's ringing their doorbell and who's coming and going. Just a little way of Big Brother or Big Anthony watching and keeping an eye on my parents. Again, a nice little tip for a few hundred dollars to just have that level of security. If someone knocks on the door and says they're you know, from the utility company and they're trying to gain access to the house, I can call my mother and say, put me on, on the phone with the guy. I'd like to talk to him before you let him in or whatever. So little things like that we, we, we can definitely do to make life easier for us. Yep. Technology is a blessing and a curse at the same time. And our job yes. is to go along and figure out how to make it more of a blessing than, than a curse. Yes. That's without sure. a doubt. Hey, Anthony, great book. Um, really like it. Um, go along, recommend people go out and pick up a copy of it because uh, if not for them, there's a lot of good chapters and information they can give their kids, their parents and such. And for the instructors out there, you know, who are teaching crime prevention courses, there's a lot of great ideas there that you can pass on to people that are in these different situations. I don't have anybody in college anymore, but your book goes along and lays that out. Um, I got an elderly mother who, um, you know, I can use some of those ideas for it. Um, you don't, don't have little kids in the house, but I do have grandkids and I can go along and pass these on to my, you know, my, uh, kids to hopefully help them when it comes to educating their kids on how to be safe. So a lot of great suggestions here. Well, Anthony, do you have a recommendation for a book or an instructor that you would recommend to our listeners that you think would really help them in their instructor journey? Yes, a great book written by a mutual friend of ours, um, uh, Decoding Firearms by John Petrolino. It's a, it's available on uh, Amazon. I sell it at my uh, gun store and range as well. Uh, great book. John took a long time and writing it. It definitely takes like the NRA or USCCA basic pistol to the next level, answering everybody's questions. Have you read that book, Rob? Would, yes, would I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've John I, on the podcast before too. Cool. So yeah. I I, uh, I recommend that book and I stock that book at my place. And when we get new people come in uh, taking our basic classes, we recommend um, if they like information, they should purchase that book. So, yeah, John Petrolino, Decoding Firearms. Yeah, I told John the next time he comes out with uh, volume two of his book, he's got to include something to muzzleloaders there because that's the only firearm they didn't include uh, in his book was uh, about yes. muzzleloaders. And uh, I know there's not a lot of people out there that uh, – Use them, but hey, muzzle loaders are cool. That's all I can say about them. They're cool. <laughs> well, Anthony, where can people find more out about you, your range, and maybe some classes that you're uh, teaching around? Gunforhire.com. If you go on gunforhire.com, uh, very easy. G-U-N-F-O-R-H-I-R-E.com. The book is there. My range is there. Classes and everything. We're in northern New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And how often do you do the Gun for Hire radio show? Uh, once a week. 
Every okay. Sunday, a new show comes out. We'll be taping show 551 to about 554 when you hear the show. Perfect. Perfect. That's really great. And uh, love the information that you get out there for people. And because let's put it this way, we don't get it from the mainstream media. And it's people um, like yourself that gets the, gets the right information out there for people to really to uh, hear it and ponder it and uh, you know internalize and make sure they're doing, they're being the best they can when it comes to the, you know, being a good citizen. But thank you, John. Thank you for what you're doing, too. (laughs) Have a good one, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, brother. That's a wrap on this episode, and let's announce this week's podcast gear winner. The winner of a shall not be infringed t-shirt is Jason K. Jason, watch for an email from concealedcarry.com to claim your prize. Should be getting it any time now. Next week, we are giving away a $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear. Eyewear I use on the range with built-in reading magnification to help me read those pesky little documents sometimes we have to fill out while we're doing classes. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, enter in each week for the prize giveaway because your entries do not carry over from week to week. Remember to check out our website where you can search for various topics from how to get started with a website to how to earn extra money through affiliate marketing at farmtrainerpodcast.com. Any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, Every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.